Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay, it is 5 o'clock in California. Welcome. Um, I feel like a radio host. It's 5 o'clock. So- <laughs> uh, welcome to the, I think we called it quarterly, but that's actually a lie because we only did three meetings this year so it's actually uh what is not quarterly uh i don't know every every triannually uh, triannually is really? that i think so our triannual q a and office hours and uh town hall whatever you want to call this uh welcome to everybody um this is an opportunity to connect with me as the representative from Refuge Recovery World Services about all things and anything uh, related to refuge recovery structure, infrastructure, um, process. Um, Not so much about, you know, the teachings of refuge recovery, more about the infrastructure of of what we're doing, but uh, open open to the conversation, open to questions, um welcome um michelle is my co-host and um if you grossly misbehave she will mute you (laughs) look out she's got her mute finger button fingers on the button fingers on the mute button um anyways welcome i i'm noah levine the founder and uh, also the director of Refuge Recovery World Services. And I'm here in Venice, California in the Refuge Recovery World Services office. And these are our office hours. Thanks for coming. And uh, the floor is open. If you have a question, if there's something on your mind, um, we have an hour for discussion. Richard, firsthand, go for it. I've been here before. I know the drill. Good to see everyone. Hey, Noah. Good to see you too, of course. Uh, So there are two things. One is follow-up from the last quarterly meeting we had, where we had discussion, as you recall, about safety issues at meetings. And I remember, though my memory might be not right, um, that you had said that the board was working on a policy statement or something to do with this. So I'm kind of going back to that old business and seeing what's been done about it and what's the report on it. Um, let's see. You do know what I'm talking about. Right? There it is, sneak peek. But it's not ready. <laughs> Before you start screenshotting, it's not. It's not totally done, but it's it's written um, and just needs a sort of final edit and a discussion with the board and maybe some members. And it's a really tricky statement to to write. And uh, from my my opinion, is it's quite it's quite a tricky statement to write. Um, so we've been looking at what you know the twelve step world has done around these issues. And uh, then coming up with our own Buddhist 
perspectives, which are maybe, uh, you know, inform, inform the statement a little bit uh, differently than other recovery process, you know, programs. Um, so uh, same, same thing I told you last, last time, it's, it's coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. So point number two, and I'll be, I'll be quick with this, or I'll try to be at least. So I've been recently elected uh, group rep for the Dharma Rain pro, uh, meeting on Wednesday, Friday nights, I'm sorry, Friday nights. And um, the members there and the, the service holders have asked me to come to this meeting today to talk about an issue that's come up there in that um, there has been some um, comments made both on both sides of this issue about uh, appropriate dress for on call, on, online meetings. You know, what's appropriate when we're on Zoom? Um, some people in the meeting feel like everyone should be dressed fully in, in you know, regular attire, it doesn't have to be fancy, but no, no, watch, watch how much bare skin is being displayed. Like that's basically the gist of it. And the other point of view is that, uh, wait a minute, it's everybody's choice. They're coming here for their recovery. We don't have a dress code. Um, what, what's up with this? What, what's going on here? So it's, this happened not only at our meeting on Fridays, but also other meetings I'm told as well. So it seems to be, I wouldn't say area-wide issue within refuge, but a couple of meetings are having this kind of uh, issue going on. And we just wanted to tap into your, uh, your philosophy, your wisdom, your experience about what you think should happen in this kind of a situation. Um, you know, the, the answer here is the answer to, I think most of the questions that come up uh, at the Q&A and that this is something that um, all groups are autonomous and um, gets to decide, uh, you know, Jeff made that half joking comment uh, right before we started about eating and vaping and something else, I forget. Um, these kind of things around like, you know, if there's a dress code, I don't, I mean, I personally would be, um, I, you know, I, it's up to the group. It's, you know, it is up to the group. The group group can take a, a group conscience for things like dress codes. You know, Refuge Recovery World Services would never implement a dress code or tell people that they need to, you know, what they should and should not wear. Um, but uh, a meeting could have the autonomy to have through a group conscience decide, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Um, they could, that would be up to the group. One wrinkle on this is a one of the, one woman a Sangha member uh, that was um, bringing this to my attention told me that for her, this was a safety issue that she didn't know how far a particular individual would go with levels of undress. And she felt like it, it left her feeling insecure in the meeting, not knowing how far this would go unless it were addressed. So there was a safety component to this as well. One of the um, statements that I make in the safety statement is that um, feeling uncomfortable is not the same as being unsafe. And that there's been a lot of this talk thrown around in our culture about um, you make me feel unsafe or I felt unsafe or 
Um, and that so much of what we're doing in Buddhism is learning to turn towards what's pleasant or unpleasant and things that make us feel uncomfortable and learning to meet that in a new way. So um, yes, of course, if somebody were flashing, you know, uh, their, their private parts, that would be, uh, you know, a, a safety thing, you know, if people were, were um, but just feeling uncomfortable how, with how someone is dressed, uh, I think we have to be very careful about this. Uh, and not get puritanical and, you know, because this can go to like, you know, and, and this happens in Buddhist, in the Buddhist world sometimes of like women have to dress a certain way. And I don't, I would never want to see refuge recovery become a place where it's like you have to cover your shoulders because it's inappropriate or you have to cover your knees or you have to. So we got, I, you know, I'm going to come back to group conscience, but also like um, I'd, I'd, I'd hate, I'd personally hate to see a lot of meetings starting to tell people how to dress. There's a, um, well, here, I'll, I'll be share a couple of personal anecdotes of my experience in the recovery world and Buddhist world. Uh, one time, some, some Buddhist teachers who I was teaching with at one of the establishment retreat centers said, we don't want you wearing so many, you know, T-shirts with, um, you know, punk rock slogans. Or they said, you know, we feel like it's a little inappropriate, you know, your, your choice of, of attire. And uh, could you wear stuff without so many big labels on them? And my response to this person at the time was, um, well, you're wearing a Patagonia and I saw you had a North face on last night. So if, you know, if you want to stop wearing your, you know, bougie mountain labels, I'll stop wearing my punk rock sweatshirts. You know, like if, if, we're, if we want to create a culture where there's no labels, you know, um, I'm open to that. But just because you don't understand my subculture um, doesn't, you know, you're, you're not going to tell me how to dress. I'm not, you know, uh, unless we're going to kind of all start wearing robes or some shit. So there's that. Then um, there's some 12-step kind of culty meetings in LA and around the country where you have to wear a suit and tie in order mm -hmm. to speak. Or, or women have to wear long dresses. And, um, and you know, and there's this real thing about like, this, what I feel is like this oppression toward, towards this of like women need to be ladies and ladies need to wear, you know, uh, appropriate gowns, you know, that that's part of what we're teaching you in recovery. And men need to, you know, dress properly with a tie and a suit. And so, and I just find that uh, so oppressive personally, you know, um, so it's an, interesting and important conversation and it's a fucking line between like telling people what to how to dress doesn't feel uh very appropriate and i i mean i think i heard it was about uh, you didn't say this richard but i think it was about uh topless men about men coming to meetings without shirts on yeah um you know there's a double standard in our culture i, I was cruising down the Venice boardwalk with my children. I don't know when it was, some some summer. And there was a free the nipple rally and a whole bunch of topless women going by saying like, you know, this double standard of men can be topless, but women can't is bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And, you know, so we got to, there is a cultural context of where for some reason in our culture, it's okay for men to be publicly naked from the top on, you know, on the top. And it's not okay. I think it's even illegal for women. A woman without a top on could get a indecent exposure ticket, I think. Um, so, you know, this is just more patriarchal, sexist culture that we live in. Um, but, you know, I'm not so sure about telling, you know, people they have to wear shirts to, regardless of gender. But I'm sure that it would be a bit um, disruptive if there were uh, topless women in meetings. So, but that's just like a cultural thing. Come back to my first answer, up to the meeting. You can take a group conscience. You can tell people they have to wear shirts at your meeting if that's what the group decides. All right, thank you, Noah. As group rep, I told them that I would do this and I've done it. So thanks for your answer. You're welcome. John, go ahead. I know, thank you. Um, okay, so I'm the new group rep on the Tuesday. Uh, it takes two meeting and uh and i was asked to come to one just to ask some questions on the the position of the secretary because there's really nobody in these positions on that meeting so like there was no even election on my end of it of becoming group rep it was i, I was just the first person to ask doja if he needed any assistance or if i could help in any way and he's like first thing i think of as a group rep so i've been just kind of taking notes and we're filling positions and uh, Jessica also asked if she could uh, help and he was like well you could do greeting and secretary and uh, so but the position of secretary is a little lost I guess that we don't really know what Jessica's supposed to be doing which she's uh, her roles are is one part of my question. Um, it's there's pretty clear um, duties for all of the service positions on the website. Uh, so, you know, for this is the group reps duties, this is the secretary's duties, this is the greeter, the um, treasurer, like they're, they're pretty clear, I think. Are there specific so, questions about? You know, I'll go through her position and read it myself. I was, yeah. I've been paying more attention on mine, yeah. um, being I'm very new at it as well. Um, so, I mean, I could even table that portion of it for now. And if I have more questions, send an email, or I know there's other people I could ask Sebastian and other people throughout meetings. Um, my second question that I had was, uh, one of the things that keeps coming up is donations are down. And, uh, and I had thrown out a, like I had pitched an idea of, can we maybe try to do some type of fundraising events? Um, whether it's, you know, if we put together a trivia night, if we put together, you know, like some type of Zoom games, trivia night, uh, silent auction. Um, I actually made a Google Doc of just a setup of ideas and thoughts that we had in our meeting that uh, that we had on, on Tuesday evening for our first business meeting too. Um, is this something that could be done to help raise some additional funds for the uh, for the donations? Um, or would it be out of practice? I don't think it would. Be. I mean, I don't think it's against our guiding principles. So, um, you know, it, it, we do have a principle that says each group is, you know, self-supporting, um, but we, I don't think we have anything about like not doing fundraisers for world services. 
So it's, you know, it, it's not impossible. Okay. So if we put something together, like, do we pitch this back to you before, obviously we start telling people, Hey, we want to offer this or asking people for donations of any sort. Uh, a lot of business owners are through these, you know, like windows as well. Um, I'm sure there'd be people that would be willing to say, Hey, I would donate a service of whether if we pick things by area, if somebody's in this area, you know, I could dog sit, uh, you know, one person mentioned tarot readings. Um, what else was mentioned here? I, I have a Google Doc. I, mean, I could this, look at it. But... Yeah, like, like saying something like tarot readings. We do have to be quite careful here because there is a guiding principle that says, you know, we have no opinion on, you know, other traditions or recovery or spiritual philosophies. So if somebody is doing a kind of spiritual philosophy of like tarot or astrology, which has nothing to do with the sort of what we're doing, um, you know, it might see us as aligning with new age or old age or whatever philosophy that might, you know, actually be considered a breach of, of that, um, you know, kind of aligning or associating with a, another you know, spiritual teaching or 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 sure. philosophy. So we'd have to be careful. So I'd say yes, like run it by uh, world services so that we can make sure that it's like, you know, I don't think that like, you know, a bake sale or a car wash or something like that, there would be any problem with it. But if people start wanting to do, you know, Reiki, tarot, uh, things like that, that I think we would be a bit more cautious about other practices like that raising money for for us sure and we thought maybe we could ask you to maybe do something like a couple of books or some swag and and other people you know throughout this like you know kind of mentioned some people would throw out yeah yeah so yeah. cool so you answered my questions it's possible yeah and for the first part just like have and you know when you were saying that i don't think this probably uh really happens but it would be just thinking about what a good idea, like when a new secretary is elected, that the printout of like the duties of a secretary is handed to them before they say yes, you know, or when they say yes, um, because, um, yeah, we don't want to have people saying like, yeah, sure, I'll be the secretary, but I have no idea what I just agreed to, <laughs> or I'll be the group rep, but I, uh, and it's on the website, but people just need to kind of print it out and maybe have it in the meeting folder or if it's an online meeting post it up and say hey print this 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 is what you're agreeing to for the next six months or the next year um and these are your duties makes sense to me yeah i feel like eventually as refuge gets stronger there'll be more of an oral tradition where it'll be clear like hey this is what the secretaries do and this is what the <laughs> group reps do and the treasurers and it'll be passed on you know person to person like that but when there's a lot of new people passing it off to new people probably just need to read the literature that's been it's not, i'm guessing it's in there i know he said he was confused on it when he was reading through it um so i told him he said you know if i wouldn't mind asking about it so i made sure i at least said that part i was also yeah, supposed to ask if there's specific questions, then we could tackle those. Sure. And then somebody mentioned, are you speaking Saturday night on a Saturday night meeting? I am. I'm doing the birthday, what do you call it? Bash, bomb, okay. speaker meeting on Saturday. 
So I'll confirm that that is confirmed. It's not just a vicious rumor. Thanks, John. I hope that was helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. You know, I will make a comment about, you know, whatever's been being said about um, donations are down. We don't have a clear idea of exactly how many people attend refuge recovery meetings every day. What we know is we have a little over 200 meetings. Um, and there's a handful of meetings online every day. And what we think is that maybe 10% of the people that attend online meetings donate. And that's, you know, it's it's not it's not like half are, it's like 10% are. Like maybe World Services gets somewhere between seven and 20, you know, $1 to $5 donations a day for those Zoom meetings. And, and some of you know, like you're at those morning meetings, there's, you know, 20, 30 people in the room. You're at some of those evening meetings. There's some of them are big. Uh, even the birthday speaker meeting where sometimes there's 50 or more people um, on a Saturday night after the speaker meeting, we might get four donations instead of 30. Um, and so, you know, we're running at a deficit uh, financially um, because, and, you know, it's, it's the thing about running a, a donation-based nonprofit where you, nobody has to pay anything and everybody's welcome. Um, but that request for generosity, for whatever reason, isn't being uh, heeded by, it seems like the majority of the people that attend. But like raising, doing any raffles, um, contests, anything we can think of as before we pitch it to you or send something to World Services, yeah. um, wouldn't be anything against like, you know, like if somebody's in here for gambling or spending, there are people in here for spending money. And, uh, you know, so it's, I don't want to, I don't want to trigger somebody either to make them feel like, oh, I, you know, I really want to buy that or, you know, because they're sitting online and it's, right. you know, I wouldn't want to do that to anybody. Right. Shopping addicts excluded from the silent auction. <laughs> sorry, you can't, sorry, you can't come. Right. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. So, my, okay, my, well, my sense is more just uh, rather than thinking about little fundraising things, just continuing to encourage people to support this thing. And, sure. um, you know, somebody had said recently, like, maybe we should actually, and we did, we put out like, these are our expenses and how much goes to the employees and how much goes to the rent and how much goes to the hosting of Zoom. And, you know, we, we put that stuff out every year, um, but maybe in meetings, if people realize like, there's actually expenses here beyond just hosting a Zoom room. You know, there, there are expenses to support the infrastructure of this national, international nonprofit. And the hope is, is that that will be supported by donations. And, and it's not quite being supported by donations yet. Yeah, the profit and loss didn't look so great. Yeah. I mean, we're a nonprofit, so we don't need to make a lot of profit, but we do need to break even and just be supported. Yeah. But I think if it was if it was larger, it would be out to more people too. You know, like uh, so. And you know, my one of my visions has always been um, having enough surplus so that we can offer more and more uh, scholarships to retreats. 
so that our members who don't have money, we can actually put that towards offering more and more retreat scholarships. I uh, asked some wealthy people that I know this year to help with some retreat scholarships. And one person wrote us, wrote Refuge Recovery, a check for 15,000. So we're able to do a lot of um, scholarships uh, for retreats this year, like partial scholarships where, you know, um, and so that's, you know, there's a, there's some money there for that, but I had to raise that. And my sense is that we should be, you know, those $5 donations, if people were really giving them more regularly, there would be a surplus of money that can go to providing stuff like that for the community. I think we'll get there eventually. We're at a couple hundred meetings when we get back to 500 or a thousand or 5,000, then 10% of the people donating is going to be a lot. <laughs> right now, it's not a lot. Amy, you're next, I think. Where I when we first started, when we first went online, um, there was a pause in the original online meeting script that was like an awkward pause in the meeting that I, the, the It Takes Two meeting actually. Um, I started playing Tom Jones because somebody said that we felt like it was should be playing some music at a telethon or something, but it created a pause long enough for people to donate. And I feel like now it just kind of gets like, hey, donate some money when you can, instead of like, you know, there's there's still a pause at the monkey minds meetings, but I don't know. I, I don't know how that got lost, but it's not as just from being at the in-person meetings this week. There's, you, I, I noticed that in the in-person meeting, you know, there's the watching the bowl go around, there's watching people do their thing. And in the script, in the online meetings, there's just not as much of a space for it, for lack of a better word. And it doesn't seem as important to. Yeah. Yeah, it's different than passing the basket, just saying like, here's the link. So can we bring the pause back? I think that was. Um, it, I think that that's, Maybe it's something that we could consider trying to implement uh, in the script, but I, at this point, if it's not in the script, uh, group conscience of whether or not to put the pause. But if, if that's something that you and other people here feel like is a good idea, I encourage you to bring it back to your business meeting and ask your group to have some discussion around whether that's something that they wanna do. There you go. I really do want the meetings to be autonomous and to have as little, um, you know, kind of direction from world services as possible. Right. Like we've created some boundaries, some guidelines, some essential elements. Um, and, you know, ask, you know, making the Donna announcement is an essential element, putting a pause there for people to actually go through and, and do it isn't part of that essential element, but it's a good idea. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, I'll start trying to implement that in the meetings that I attend the business meetings and vote at. Just please don't play Tom Jones. I won't, and I'll leave my shirt on too. <laughs> I won't make a bad comment about that, okay. <laughs> Timothy, you need to unmute, I think, if you wanna jump in. Yeah, hey, thanks. So in regards to the donations, I have been asked, I, I am planning to start a in-person meeting here in the St. Louis area 
but I'm currently in school to become a recovery coach. And I've had multiple treatment facilities ask me to bring a meeting in as a pathway to recovery. And there they have stipulations like on not letting outside people that aren't in the treatment come into those facilities for meetings. And they're really kind of against even listing them as a meeting, which I talked with Sebastian today about. And I guess my question is, would I be out of line to ask them for me donating my time to make a donation to World Services for coming into those facilities and offering up that meeting space? Um, I don't think so. I think I don't I don't think you'd be out of line. I think that it would be fine to ask as far as what's coming to mind. I don't think it's uh, it wouldn't be OK to get paid personally and to say I'll only come and be of service. And if I get paid um, for a refuge meeting or you know bringing that in that but saying, hey, I'm happy to do this as service and you're a treatment center that's making lots of money, most of them um, off of doing this treatment rather than having me come in for free to these people who are paying to be here, a little you know, donation to the nonprofit that you know, to support would be appreciated. I think it would be okay to request it, you know, to ask for that, um, but not demand it and not say like, well, I only go to be of service when they donate to World Services. Like, Maybe do it anyways if they say no, but worth asking. Okay. Right on. That would be my sense. Thank you. Kermosi. I just wanted to chime in on that piece. Back in the um, Kaiser CDRP days, uh, it was only available to to Kaiser patients. You know, we had one up here in, in uh, San Francisco at the Fillmore, and, and one across the bay in Oakland. Um, and people I know weren't weren't donating to to refuge recovery. I don't even know if we passed a basket. It just it wasn't right. Like it was in Kaiser's facility, uh, and we just did it. You know, um, and it was a temporary thing. However long CDRP was for, it's either three months or six months. But I know of at least two members of that group that. Uh, once they were out of the program, joined other meetings and also started other meetings. So it's worthwhile. It's a, yeah, it's definitely, it's, you know, it's our version. Um, and it's, you know, something that we probably should come up with more of a clear encouragement and format. I mean, I think, and Jeff, you were there, I think at Refuge Recovery, the first conference, this was one of the topics. How do we create a hospitals and institutions outreach program in refuge recovery like they have in the 12-step world um, where people go and do panels, go and be of service to people who are in, you know, institutions that can't get to outside meetings. Um, and we never have really created a clear format of how to do it, but lots of people like Timothy, like you, like other people have just said like, hey, I'm bringing a meeting into this jail or this prison or this hospital or this treatment center and you just do it. And it's a great service and it's a great part of our own gen generosity. And, um, and it's fine to not ask for donations because they're, they don't have them, you know, when they're in those programs or whatever, um, or they're not allowed to have their cash. I mean, that Kaiser probably 
they probably were, they were like outpatient. So they probably did have their wallets, but you know, a lot of these places that Tim's talking about going into where they're inpatient, they don't have their wallets. It's fine to not ask for donations and just do it as service. As long as we're on the topic, um, is uh, Refuge Recovery Treatment Center even in the solar system, restarting it? Um, it would take quite a bit of fundraising in order to do it. You know, with a nonprofit would have to start a, a, a serious fundraising project to raise, um, you know, depending on where we're, we're going to do it. But my sense is close to a million dollars startup money just to sign leases and guarantee salaries to all of the licensed professionals that we would need, um, at least a kind of, a you know, if somebody gave me a million dollars, you know, for Refuge Recovery World Services and said, I want to open a treatment center, we could do it for around a million, maybe a little bit less, especially if we started with outpatient and sober living and then went to licensing detox and residential, which is what we did, what I did last time. Um, so we could do it for a little bit less than that, but it's a pretty expensive startup, especially if it's in Los Angeles, but, you know, the, the rents. If we did it somewhere else that wasn't as expensive and the uh, salaries didn't have to be as expensive and the rents weren't as expensive, then probably we could do it for a little bit less. Yeah. But so maybe, you know, I'm a little bit more, um, and I'll throw this, this out there, uh, really kind of for discussion. But at the moment, because the refuge recovery retreats have been, you know, we've been having these retreats, like the New Mexico retreats and the North Carolina retreat, and um, where we're getting 100 to 200 plus people on waiting lists trying to get into retreats that we don't have enough space for. I think the North Carolina retreat, there was like 200 plus people on a waiting list. Some of the Taos retreats, we could only have 30 people in there. We had 150 people on the wait list. Um, so my, I'm a little bit like, wow, this is amazing. If a lot of people want to come to retreats, uh, maybe we should have our own retreat center, a refuge recovery retreat center. And, uh, you know, seeing how, you know, for the people that are already here members, the central piece where it says in the book, do a retreat every year. And rather than us having to go and rent other retreat centers and, you know, we do the, we do these week long retreats, the retreat center gets all of the money, <laughs> you know, and we just sort of break even, which is fine is good, you know, like, but if we had our own retreat center and all of the money was coming through our nonprofit, uh, it might be really easy, easier to do more scholarships, easier to, you know, provide it. So uh, that's come up for me quite a bit because of, you know, that I'm also the one teaching the retreat and always a little frustrated with the retreat centers that we're renting that are, you know, not so great and not really set up for the silent retreat experience that we want people to have. What an interesting shift, you know, that we had a treatment center and not really no refugee every retreats and now... We're doing refuge recovery treats and i think back then you were hoping to have no well, we had the against the stream meditation centers but we were looking for a retreat center for that anyway it's just been an interesting evolution but um you know this is the motivation i see as a business owner of like why we need donations it's not you know i know it's not technically like a capitalist type business but 
you know, refuge recovery surviving is one thing and having, you know, capital and surplus for you to, you know, be able to travel to, to uh, speak and, and promote the program and all this stuff is why we need more money. So. There's a, there's a retreat center. Somebody just sent me for sale in the kind of by Kings Canyon and Sequoia national forest. Um, and it's, it's for sale for $1 million. It's 20 acres. Right now it sleeps 30 people. Um, and it's an interesting location in California where it's halfway between Northern California where, you know, Jeff and Michelle and some of you are in Northern California and Southern and Los Angeles where I am. Um, it's, you know, like a three and a half hour drive for both of us <laughs> to get to the middle. It's kind of by Yosemite out there and the kind of- Is that the one that gets snowed in the winter? I don't know that it does. It's kind of foothills. So it does snow up there, but it's not like up high enough that that you can't get up the road, I don't think. We, we were talking about this one before, right? Oh, no, this is a new one that just, it's called oh. Seven Seven Circles. Okay. Center, and uh, I know some teachers that have taught there. I haven't been there myself. But can, I, can, anyways, you, can you split it with someone? Maybe, but that, you know, it's an interesting, you know, idea that my, my sense would be a bit more manageable than going into professional treatment again, getting the retreat world really strong um, and, you know, would be, would be great. But then, you know, some of you, you know, that are in other parts of the country are like, no, we don't want refuge recovery retreat center in California, you know, because then we have to travel to California all of the time for retreats. Um, if we did end up having a retreat center in California, my own, I would still offer an East Coast and a South and, you know, maybe a Northeast, you know, a handful of retreats a year in other places around the country. Um, but it would, I think it would be great for us to have a place at some, at some point, you know, when the, when the, you know, if some benefactor came for, you know, this would be a dilemma for me and the board of directors. If a benefactor did come forward and said, hey, I want to give you a million dollars, what do you want to do with it? Do we want to do a retreat center or a treatment center? I'd have to see what the rest of the board and, and kind of try to take the pulse of the community. Um, treatment center makes a lot of sense where we started this conversation to get people that are seeking recovery that are not in recovery yet. Um, but also retreat center would be quite interesting for all of those of us that are in recovery and are looking to deepen our process of, of recovery through, through retreat. Yeah. But nobody's trying to give us a million dollars. So it's mostly just a fantasy at this point. James, go ahead. Hi, Noah. Twice in one week. Um, I get to ask you a question. So um, I'm here representing the uh, Canadian Rockies meeting. Um, and I haven't moved. I mean, I don't have the right accent, so I can't even fake that. But um, uh, on that note, um, we're, we're, we're getting organized. The meeting's um, um, kind of um, uh, an intimate one, you know, um, eight to 10 people average. And um, I've been, um, since I've been back to work, um, 
I've been going to, to different meetings and, and um, I attended one, uh, one week, um, a five o'clock East Coast meeting um, that I, I liked, it was small, um, but it did have the, um, the, the pause. Um, it had a lot of different language, um, you know, like um, in, the, in the, um, the preamble and the, um, uh, some of the other things that they did just were so different to me, it wasn't bad. But um, I, I, I guess I, I heard the answer, um, but I wanted to put it out there again um, to just ask how much autonomy um, do the, the individual groups have? Um, and I mean, I can read um, you know, from, from the website, um, um, but if anything's not defined there, should we consider it um, you know, free run? Because I know um, most Canadians like to do things differently. I think the answer is yes, as long as it's within the essential elements and the guiding principles, we don't want to get too micromanagey about how people um, do things. Um, as long as there's no outside literature, you know, some of those essential elements things happening, then I think it's okay. All right. Well, we're going to do, a, this, you know, this is like, a naked gambling tarot reading <laughs> Canadian Rockies meeting. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing in the 12-step world. Like you go to a meeting in Canada and you're like, whoa, this is so different than New York or California or Colorado or wherever. And, but it's still, you know, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. I think same thing in refuge. You're going to go different cultures, different, you know, lineages are going to create little different things. As long as it's still the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and this literature and these meditation practices, it's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Anything else? Anybody else have a, a question or a comment or something that they want to share that's feeling a little hesitant? There's no there's no unintelligent questions. <laughs> Welcome to ask whatever's on your mind. Uh, Gerald, go ahead. Yeah, um, hang on just one second, sorry. Got two, device, two devices on here. Um, hello, Noah. We uh, have not met yet. Um, my name is, yeah, my name is Jerry. I'm actually in Taos, New Mexico. Just moved down here about a month ago. Um, was here for about three months uh, or three years, a year ago, ran a bought and ran a bed and breakfast down here but i bought a new property and since we're on the subject of recovery centers and that type of thing i am looking to start up a meeting here in taos um, as well and i've got i'm on five acres got a couple of apartments here and i'm looking at doing something but i really don't know what yet but i've got lots of ideas and lots of things talking to a lot of people on turning this you know originally i was going to airbnb it or uh long-term rental them, but I'm thinking, you know, I, I went through addiction recovery and you know, residential treatment and stuff six months ago. I've been with Refuge about six months and super excited about moving into the service world. So I just wanted to, to kind of give you a heads up. Um, I'll be here in Taos when you guys are here and look forward to seeing everyone down here. And um, there's a ton of really interesting stuff going on in Taos right now. The mayor has taken a very active role 
um, on the addiction front. Um, he's actually opened up for the first time ever a detox center in the town of Taos. And he's also opened up a residential treatment center in, uh, I think, the old Days Inn Hotel. It's like 100, 170 rooms or something like that. So tremendous community support behind it. And obviously Taos is, you know, embraces this kind of a thing, you know, overall. So looking forward to having you all down here and looking forward to meeting you in person and uh, love refuge. And I'm grateful, grateful, very grateful for what it's brought for me in the last six months. So that, that's all. Thank you. Thanks, Gerald. Appreciate it. Yeah. Taos is one of my old hometowns and uh, I look for, I'm going to be out there in a month for that retreat and thanks for checking in with us. I hope that meeting does get going. It would be, so cool to have. There was refuge meetings in Santa Fe and Albuquerque. I don't know if we ever, if there's ever been a refuge meeting in in Taos. Yeah, love to see that happen. Yeah, and making making some inroads with the uh, Native American community here too in the Pueblo and stuff. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of very cool people. A lot of a lot, a lot of possibilities uh, I'm seeing. So um, yeah, we'll see you in a month. Thanks. Thank you. Ray, go ahead. Hi, I'm Ray. Um, I've been going to meetings for about, oh, maybe a year, uh, mostly food addiction meetings. And um, I'm involved with a couple of them now. Um, we've been talking about perhaps changing uh, how we do the sharing um, as far as who who goes next, that kind of thing, um, maybe hand raising instead of tag pass. And I just, I feel a little uncomfortable with that change to tell you the truth, but I also just wanted to get more information about um, originally, why why did we do tag pass? I'm, I'm interested to hear what what is behind that. I think I created the original format um, with a tag pass. And originally there was something that said, um, please call on someone that you don't know mm. that is of a different gender than you. Oh. Um, with some of the transgender um, and non-binary awareness that has come, we felt like we, sh we sh probably shouldn't do that anymore because, um, but the intention behind that was to not have people just call on their friends okay. and to not have the men just call on dude after dude after dude after dude, or likewise, or the women call out on only the, you know, to try to create a sort of openness and diversity and inclusion in the meetings rather than um, just, you know, the people that are the regulars. And especially that sort of calling someone that you don't know, that way the new people that we don't know get called on and get invited to participate rather than just listen to a bunch of the regulars. So that, you know, so some of the intention behind that, I think was good. Um, and then it has carried over and, you know, we kind of let go of the gender and I don't even, does it even say someone you don't know? It just says tag somebody. No. Um, so a lot of that sort of got changed over the years, the last decade that we've been doing this. Um, and it's, it works really well. I think yeah. it's a really good system. And it's absolutely okay to go to raise of hands. Cool. That's group conscience. You can totally change that and go to raise of hands. 
doesn't have to stay that way. I just wonder how to um, make connection with people who are shy or who are new with the raised hand system. I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to explore that too then. There's that system where some meetings do and where you can save the last five minutes or so for new people. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. I got a question for everybody. And I'd like to uh, have a, um, a vote. I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. A yes or no uh, uh, question. And um, raise your hand if the answer is yes, right? Like raise your hand on your reactions button so that it'll go up on your screen. Um, the question is, do you think that refuge recovery should have um, recovery, what's the word? Like, I guess chips or tokens, some sort of token to celebrate milestones in recovery, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or years of uh, abstinence. How many people think that we should have a refuge recovery chip that people can get? Um, so I just want the yeses, no no's, no, no thumbs down, just yeses. I want my trinket, Noah. People want trinkets. Okay, but it only, you know, of the, how many people are here? 27 people are here. It looks like only seven or eight think it's a good idea. So that's interesting. Only, only a, um, you know, this is, it's a controversial idea. As you know, you can lower your hands if you want. <laughs> uh, as you know, uh, there's, there's, it's pretty intentional that according to the book, um, you know, and the formats, we don't celebrate time. We want to um, avoid relapse shaming. We don't ask for newcomers and we don't celebrate time. And there's pros and cons to that. Um, what has happened over the last you know, nine, 10 years of refuge recovery meetings is that people totally celebrate time and there's a birthday meeting and I'm speaking at it on Saturday. <laughs> and like, you know, people are like, we don't care that it's not part of the program. We're doing it anyways. <laughs> and, you know, there's the autonomy to do that and groups can choose to do that. Um, but there does feel like for me, there's enough people have asked me to create, a, you know, a trinket uh, that, that we're considering doing it. And also, you know, this, this conversation about fundraising, it also might be a good support for world services if meetings were buying the coins, the trinkets. I have the idea of dog tags. Like I want a dog tag that says refuge recovery on it, um, you know, but, you know, maybe it's trinkets, maybe it's coins, maybe it's uh, um, keychains. You know, we can rip off the coins from AA or the keychains from NA, or we could like try to do something different. You know, we did those bracelets. We did like the Buddhist bracelets. We're like, oh, well, we're Buddhist. So we'll do, you know, and then you get like a new bead every year you stay clean, you know, and then pretty soon you got a lot of them and like how many beads you got. But then, you know, that's the problem is because this weird hierarchical, you know, what chip do you got? What color keychain? Oh, you got the multiple years keychain? Yeah, you're fucking old school. Oh, you got that, you know, you're, you know, you, you got that chip, you're fucking enlightened. And the reality is, we would like to think that time um, 
equals wisdom. And sometimes it does, you know, there is a cumulative effect to the Buddhist practice. And if you've been meditating for years and, you know, and have done your inventories and hopefully you have a bit more wisdom than you came in with. Um, but this false hierarchy of people with more time abstinent are uh, somehow always wiser uh, is to me, I believe is false. Generally, we would hope it was true, but I just I've just had too much experience with people with really long-term abstinence that aren't very kind people, aren't very honest people, and you know people who are brand new, who you know are coming in are really applying themselves to honesty and kindness and the principles of mindfulness that we're practicing here. So, I personally have a little bit of hesitance, but I also like trinkets. So, you know, I'm, I'm also a little bit kind of like, it might be cool for us to have our own thing. Um, but thank you for those of you who voted. It looked like only about a third of you think it's a good idea. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, you can, I think you're still muted, but you can. Oh, it's already been said. Thanks for the call. Oh. Okay. Sebastian had his hand raised. I don't even see Sebastian in here. He snuck in. Oh, there's is there a second page? Yeah, what up? Still don't see him. I'm here though. Oh, but well, you don't have your camera on. I see. You're just the refuge circle. I'm trying to blend in, bro. Uh-huh. You're blending. No. Mr. Mr. Levine, sir, just had a question. <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to check in. You know, we talked about it a little bit a couple of days ago. Uh, this is the last session for the year. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to think about it a little bit, like what the schedule is going to look like next year. I don't know if you wanted to take some time to check in with folks, see how they feel about it or however you wanted to approach it. Uh, I just want to see if you had some thoughts on like what the schedule looked like next year for this. I mean, I don't have the dates yet. What I'd like to do is get um, all of the retreats, all of the refuge retreats scheduled for 2023. I'm still working on that um, schedule. And then once I have that, then I'll plug in some, some of these. If, if there's a sense that this is useful. Um, the other thought that I had was maybe, maybe this isn't that useful or necessary. There's not that many questions these days. Um, and that maybe I could make myself, you know, like people who are starting meetings can schedule a 15 minute check-in with me. Maybe I could just do something like that, some sort of office hours where if people want to at any time talk to me, that I could just make myself available one-on-one, uh, -on -one, you know, to talk to people about whatever their questions are rather than this group format. And the group format's interesting and probably useful for, you know, somebody asks a question that you hadn't really had, but then you're like, oh, I'm glad I heard that question and answer. So um, anyways, we'll we'll put some on and then maybe I'll also do the, make myself available for some, just, you know, schedule a you know, if you got questions, I'm happy to talk to people. I don't always have the answer. Like I said earlier, I think it was to um, to John. Usually the answer is take a group conscience. 
No, nah, maybe I was just bringing it up so that, like, you know, if people felt this was useful, you know, they could let you know because, you know, it's kind of just a way to check the temperature. And I know we wouldn't have the dates just set up, but, you know, that way we get an idea of this is if whether or not this is actually useful for people. Yeah, what do you think? You guys want to keep doing this next year or like every try annually or quarterly or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to do it. it. It's kind of fun and interesting. And sometimes there is big stuff coming up in some of the meetings that needs to be discussed. Like topless men. We're not talking about you, Daniel. You know, your shawl is appropriate. Actually, we are talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting okay. This is a joke, but let's just say if men come to meetings without shirts on, they have to wear pasties, no nipples. Hide the nipples, gentlemen. Oh, Noah. Oh, <laughs> in it now. <laughs> Oh God. Pasties. I'm joking. Andy, are you trying to say something to the group? You're still muted. Or are you talking? No. Okay. 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 Oh, talking to that cute baby. All right. Well, that's probably enough for tonight. It's almost six o'clock. Really good to see everybody. Um, hey, hey, Noah. Yeah. Sorry, let me just jump in. I, I, I like these communities because they're like little mini conferences before conferences. Um, let me just put the bug in your ear for next year. Any uh, idea or desire about location, maybe East Coast? For the conference? Annual conference. The annual conference is May 5th through 7th in your neighborhood, Jeff. It's in Northern California. It's in the Redwoods up by, um, I don't know. Occidental. Where Occidental, which is like by Santa Rosa or something. Just rode through there yesterday. Yeah. Yep. Northern California, May 5th through 7th. It's in Richard's backyard. That's right. I know it. Yeah. Literally. Well, what, what's it called, Sebastian? Winchester or Westchester? I think it's Winchester. Winchester Woods or something like that. It's, you know, Redwoods mm -hmm. Camp. And uh, so we're going to nice. do it up there this year. And yeah, open to at some point doing it on the East Coast. Is it Armstrong Woods? No, Winchester something. Are there going to be only camping or is there going to be like... No, there's cabins. There's like, cabins. A, you know, cool group dorm cabins. I think there's some singles some doubles, um, we'll have the place to ourselves, no other groups. And, uh, put a link in the chat for the place. It's, uh, I always forget the name of it. It's Westminster Woods. Westminster. And we'll have all the info up, uh, what do you think, Noah, early next week? Yeah, Nick, we, uh, Sebastian and I have been working on the registration page and that will be up soon. The next refuge retreat, there's still a couple spots left for the Taos seven day. Um, if anybody wants to come out to that, 
there's registration is up for the January 13th through 15th in Oregon uh, weekend refuge retreat outside of Portland, Oregon. And um, I have an East Coast scheduled for October um, that we haven't put up registration for yet. And I'm still working on some more um, refuge retreats for the schedule for next year. How, um, how many people can attend the Oregon one? Like 200. Good. So I've been looking for some of these places so that we don't have a hundred people on the waiting list. So I've been looking for some bigger places. Now, unfortunately, I you know have some you know trepidation that you know last year we had three hundred people on the waiting list. This year, I've like guaranteed that we're going to have over a hundred people, and then if people don't sign up for it, you know, financially, it's going to be uh, difficult for us if people don't actually come. So we'll see. As long as we get you know around a hundred people, we'll be fine. Okay, see, we should do our, do our own version of Burning Man. That'll bring them. I already suggested that. We're also looking, as Cato mentioned and knows, um, we're looking at um, trying to get an Oklahoma retreat in maybe February or mm -hmm. June. In Oklahoma and uh, definitely East Coast. And I'm looking for a place in the South and North Carolina or Georgia or Louisiana or Texas or something. I don't know, somewhere down there. The North Carolina camping retreat was really cool this year, but I don't know that we'll use that place again and maybe maybe do it somewhere. Yeah. All right, so we'll leave it there for today. Really good to see everybody. Um, Come to the first Thursday refuge thing that I do every month. Hope to see you there. Hope to see you at some retreats, some meetings. Come Saturday night if you want to hear my uh, story in the speaker meeting thing, uh, birthday meeting, five o'clock uh, Pacific time on Saturday. I'll be there and um, have a good Thursday and you know happy holidays and all that stuff. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.